Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the book of Judges in chapter number 16. The book of Judges and chapter number 16. We are on the very final two messages of this series of the book of Judges. That we have tonight's message and then one more on next Wednesday night. And we'll be wrapping up this series that we've been in for quite a while. And as we're wrapping up this series, we want to remind you that where we're at. That at the tail end of the period of the judges, we have two simultaneously concurrent judges of Samson and Samuel. And that each one of their lives have intersected and and dealt with each other's life and affected it. And now as we're looking through the, the uh, book of <coughs> Judges and we're seeing the last part of Samson's life, that Samson's life and the victories he wins at his death is going to affect what is going to occur in the last part of the, what we're going to see in Samuel's life leading up to the period of the kingship. Of Israel, And so if you wouldn't mind, let's examine this in the book of Judges in chapter number 16. The book of Judges chapter 16, and if you don't mind, notice with me in verse number 1. Judges 16 and verse number 1, the word of God says this. Then went Samson to Gaza and saw there a harlot and went in unto her. And it was told to the Gazites, saying, Samson has come hither. And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all night in the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning, when it is day, we shall kill him. And Samson lay till midnight and arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them up to the top of the hill that is before Hebron. And it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up. In unto her, and said unto her, Entice him, and see wherein his great strength lieth, and by what means we may prevail against him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and we will give thee every one of us eleven hundred pieces of silver. And Delilah said unto Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, Wherein is thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee? And Samson said unto her, If thou wilt bind me with seven green withs that were never dried, then shall I be weak, and be as another man. Then the lords of the Philistines brought unto her seven green withs, which had not been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there was with there were men lying in wait, abiding with her in the chamber. And she said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he brake the withs, as a thread of tow is broken when it is touched the fire. 
So his strength was not known. And Delilah said unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou bind me fast with new ropes that were never occupied, then shall I be weak and be as another man. Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And there were liars in wait abiding in the chamber, and he brake them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said unto Samson, Hitherto thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Tell me wherewith thou mightest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest the seven locks of my head with the web, she fastened it with the pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awakened out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and with the web. And she said unto them, How canst thou say I love thee when thine heart is not with me? Thou wast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass when he, she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. Then he told her all his heart and said unto her, There hath not come a razor upon, a razor upon the, mine head. For I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. When Delilah saw that he had told her all his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up this once, for he has showed me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees, and she called for a man, and she caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him, and his strength went from him. And she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he woke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him to Gaza and brought him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house, albeit his hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God, and to rejoice. For they said, Our God hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered into our hands our enemy, and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they call, said, Call for Samson, that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. And Samson said unto the lad that helped him by, led him by the hand, Suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now the house was full of men and women, and all the lords of the Philistine were there. And there was upon the roof about three thousand men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. And Samson took a hold of the two middle pillars upon 
which the house stood, and on the which was borne up, and one with his right hand, and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might, and the house fell upon the lords and upon the people that were there within. So the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. Then his brethren and all the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between Zorah and Eshtol in the burying place of Manoah, his father. And he judged Israel 20 years. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Judges chapter 16? The book of Judges chapter 16, and notice with me in verse number 20. Judges 16 in verse number 20, and notice this. And he wist not that the Lord departed from him. If you want to shorten that up, the Lord was departed from him. And with this, I'd like to preach that message with that idea. The Lord was departed from him or subtitled perhaps Samson's end. The Lord was departed from him. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the great privilege it is to come to your house today, to open up your word, to be able to learn from your word and be able to allow you to speak to us. And as we come up to you, Lord, I'm very, very conscious of my inability that I don't even want to dare to preach a message with sin so serious of my own flesh and my own ability Lord, I want you to do an everlasting work. I want you to do a searching of people's hearts. I want people to be drawn unto you because of whom you are. Lord, as we come up to you today, I'm asking that you would open up your word in a special way. Lord, we love you. Fill me with your precious spirit. And you get your own work accomplished. In your name we pray. Amen. The life of Samson is a very tragic life. The study of Samson is a study of almost conflictions of things that just don't seem to match together. But it is also a life of a man whose life was ruined by sin. And the first thing I'd like to show you from the life of Samson in Judges chapter 16 is Samson's struggle with sin. Samson's struggle with sin. Now, I want to remind you of a little bit of what's going on. That the Philistines have been in charge for 40 plus years. They've been oppressing the children of Israel. And the Philistines have just pretty much oppressed. They put in bondage. They are the rulers of this Palestine area at this time. Now, Samson... Remember that God had placed him in a place where he was going to cause havoc with the Philistines. And he saw some great victories. Imagine that he was went down and killed a lion with his bare hands. Remember, he tore it just like uh, the people, the strong men of that time, they would rip a goat up. He literally took a lion with his bare hands and ripped them apart. That's pretty strong. He went down and killed 30 Philistines to take their clothes so that way he could win a, or pay a bet. Later on, he, he took some foxes and he tied their tails together and had a big matchstick between them and lit them on fire. I mean, catch, uh, imagine catching 300 foxes. Uh, that's a lot to that too. And then burnt down the fields. Then afterwards, he took a jawbone of a donkey and slew a thousand men. 
I mean, this is someone who early on was quite used to start winning victories. But if you would notice the last part of Judges chapter number 15, it says in verse 20, And he judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. Now, what is so unusual about Samson and the rest of the judges is that he did not free the Israelites from the oppressors. Remember, you had Gideon who, who defeated the Moanites and they had rest in the land for a certain number of periods. You had Jephthah who delivered from the enemies and they had rest in the land. But here you have Samson who was the biblical strongman, who had so many victories, and he judged, he was the military chieftain for 20 years, but he did not deliver the Philistines. He did not deliver the Israelites from the hands of the Philistines. 20 years had gone by, and he was satisfied with a bunch of victories that he had. But the problem was, is that Samson started to idle. He started to stagnate. And the reason why he stagnated was because of sin. Samson had a sin problem. And what happened is that he had tons of potential. He had the ability, because of God, to deliver physically the people from the bondage. But what happened that even though he had this potential, even though he had all of this stuff going on, he had sin. You know, sin causes many of a Christian to stagnate in their own life. You see, what happens is that as a Christian starts growing in the Lord, they start to see victories. God starts to use them. And what happens, they get excited about it. But they also don't get rid of the sin in their life. And what happens is that all that potential is wasted and they live off past victories. And they said, well, God's used me before, so I must be all right. And they don't take care of the sin. And what happens when you don't take care of the sin? God doesn't use you. And you live off past victories. Ah, man, I remember a time years ago when God used me and someone... Uh, someone came to church and got saved. Oh, I remember when God used me and I helped someone out. And then we refer to the things in the past and we don't have any current victories. And just stagnate. And we live off the past victories. We live off the past reputation. I meant Samson, he killed a thousand guys. Who's going to go up to Samson and say, hey, you, go away. I meant the Philistines aren't going to bother him. And by the way, as long as Samson is not killing any more of them, they're just going to let him go. So for 20 years, they let him do whatever he wants. Hey, go ahead. You're not causing any problems. We'll kind of leave you alone. And so there was a standoff that he's not killing any more of them. They're just going to go ahead and let him do whatever he wants to do. And for 20 years, there's a stagnation. 20 years. He could have delivered Israel, but he enjoyed his sin. How many Christians do we know that have so much potential? By the way, there is a difference between potential and being used. And people can squander that potential. And then year after year, nothing changes. You know what? Next year, I'll start being faithful to church. Next year, I'll read my Bible. Next year, I'll really get serious about the thing. Next year. Next season, you know what? Tomorrow never comes. 
And you know why people want to say next year, maybe later? It's because they enjoy their sin. And they don't want to give it up. And in order to serve God completely and fully, you have to give away sin. You have to forego sin. And that's Samson's problem, is that this is a tragedy, not because of how he died and it's going to be a horrible tragedy. The tragedy is that he wasted his life using past victories that he exchanged to keep his sin. He could have done so much more to help others. He could have done so much more to free his people. He could have done so much more to lift up the name of God. But he chose sin. And for 20 years he squandered that potential. 20 years, year after year after year went by. And he's still on the same course. The same path. I don't know if you've ever gone to a 20-year reunion of school. It's amazing to see which ones made something of themselves and which ones are the same as they were in high school. And that's not a good thing. I'm still living in mama's basement after 20 years. And we all know people, right? You have so much potential. How come you didn't do anything with your life? Well, I was just happy where I was at. You understand with the Christian life, there's only one direction. And that's forward. The never-ending pursuit of Jesus Christ. Always following and chasing after Him. You see, in the Christian life, you know what should happen? Is that you should grow daily. You should always be growing closer to the Lord. You should always be getting it. By the way, that's the same with your pastor. You know what? Your pastor's not perfect. But as long as I'm following God, I should be growing. And if you see me growing, that should give confidence in my own walk with the Lord. You should always be pressing forward. Sometimes it's going to be a little bit. Sometimes it's going to be a lot bit. But you should always be pressing forward. And when we are not pressing forward, when we are stagnant, when we're living off past victories, much of that time is because of sin in our life that we don't want to deal with. Sin in our life that we choose to have. And it costs us the potential that God Wants to do in our own life. Let's go and examine. 20 years have gone by. And there's not many stories about Samson. You had right at the very beginning. When he was the biblical strong man. 20 years passed. And now we have in verse number 1. Then. So he judged Israel. In the days of the Philistines. 20 years. Then went Samson to Gaza. And saw there a harlot. There is that problem again. You know, we understand that sin takes different forms for different people. Him, his weakness was women. Get her for she pleaseth me well. That's where it started. Now he's gone into a harlot. Later on he's got Delilah. This is his weakness. And by the way, men, you always need to protect yourself. Always protect yourself. But we understand that different people have different sins. Some may be alcohol. Some may be pornography. Some may be something else. But sin will hold you back from being used. And you'll look back year after year and say, I've wasted all this time. Then went Samson to Gaza. Now remember, Gaza is one of the Philistine cities, one of the five chief cities. And saw there a harlot went into her. And it was told the Gazite, saying, Samson has come hither. 
And they compassed him in and laid wait for him all the night at the gate of the city and were quiet all the night, saying, In the morning when it is day, we shall kill him. So what they did is they locked the gates of the city. By the way, I want to remind you that a gate is not like a cow gate or a picket fence gate. That these gates of the city are made with, to withstand armies. These are big heavy gates. To give you an example, the city of Gaza... When Alexander the Great came conquering, he went and conquered all of that Middle East area, going down to Egypt. Gaza was the last stronghold, the last holdout, before he made his march to, to um, Israel, or to Egypt. And Gaza, in its gates and its walls, held out against Alexander the Great, the general who didn't lose a single battle, for five months. So these are... Heavy duty gates. These are gates that are meant to withstand armies for months at a time. So what they did is someone reported and said, hey, you know that Samson guy? He's in the city now. And they said, you know what? Let's go ahead and take care of the Samson problem. So what they did is they locked the gates of the city. And they said, he can't get out. He's not going to climb over the walls. The walls are usually 20 to 40 feet high. So he's not going to climb over the walls. He's not going to go through the gates. We got him barred up. So what we'll do is he's trapped for the night. Let's go ahead and go to sleep. And then we'll wake up early in the morning. And Samson's not going anywhere. We got him trapped. We'll take care of him then. So that was their plan. They're going to trap Samson inside of the gates. Problem was, Samson didn't keep their schedule. Verse number three. And Samson lay till midnight and rose around midnight. Some of us understand that. You wake up in the middle of the night, can't go back to sleep. Samson woke up and said, all right, well, it's time to go. And arose at midnight and took the doors of the gate of the city and the two posts and went away with them, bar and all, and put them on his shoulders and carried them away to the top of the hill that was before Hebron. So Samson goes out and says, huh, they locked me in. Well, I want to get out. So what he does is he takes the whole big thing. Now, remember, this is a big gate that doesn't just allow people to go through. It allows camels and other stuff to go through. It's heavily barred. His whole door and gate is made to withstand armies. He just looks at it and says, we need a breezeway. He takes the whole thing, plucks up the post of the gates, pulls the whole thing, carries the door, bar, post, all of it. And he just hauls it away to Hebron, which, by the way, is 37 miles away. He's like, well, they're not going to lock me in. He just takes it and plugs it away. Now, what we're seeing here is that this is a guy who didn't lose his strength. This is a guy who his power hasn't diminished. You know what? He still had the capability after 20 years to still be used of God. He just flatlined and was stagnant with it. It wasn't like he got old and he doesn't have the power anymore. It's still there. But the problem is, is he's thinking all about himself. How can I use it for myself? Just got used to being a believer. Got used to having the power of God. Just got you. Everything got used to. It got old and lived off past victories. And he didn't do anything to free the people. So we see Samson struggle with sin. And we could see how he squandered all of this away. Now, even though that's still an amazing feat, I mean, that's a pretty picking up the whole thing. He hulked it out and then decided just to show how strong he was, picked the whole door up and carried it for miles and miles and miles. We don't know if he made it to Hebron. The Bible says before Hebron, so that means in the presence of it. But hey, 
he could have carried it for one mile going up a hill. That's still pretty impressive. Most of us couldn't do that, right? I meant, so he's ready to go. The second thing I would like to see in this passage is Samson's seven locks. Samson's seven locks. Not only do we see Samson's struggle with sin, but we see Samson's seven locks. Samson's seven locks. Well, it came to pass afterwards that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines, remember there's five lords, one for each one of the, the cities of, uh, of the Philistines. And they came to her. So it was the kings that came to her and said unto her, entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means he may prevail against them that we may bind him to afflict him. And we will give every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. That means 1,100 pieces of silver times five. This, if I remembered right, is close to half a million dollars. So we know what her price was. Half a million dollars, find out its weakness, sold. All right, I may be off of my pricing, but it's it's still quite a bit. Enough that you can see here that they bribed her quite a bit to uh, entice him, to, to be a traitor on him. And Delilah said to Samson, so she gets together with Samson, I tell, tell me, I pray thee, wherein is thy great strength lieth, and where thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. Now remember, Samson may be the biblical strongman, but he is not built like a bodybuilder. If it was his muscles, they would have said, well, it's his muscles. But he looked like a regular guy who had amazing strength. So they're trying to figure out where did his strength come from? It's not his muscles. I mean, it's maybe one of those people that do one sit up every day, right? When you wake up in the morning, that's half. When you lay back in the other day, that's the other half, you know. And so it's not because he hits the gym. It's not because he does the curls and stuff. Where is his strength at? Where? How does he get this strength? And so she starts quizzing him. Where is your strength? If you love me, tell me what it is. So Samson, verse 7, said unto her, If I bind me with seven green withs. Now withs are something they would make uh, bowstrings with. So green, uh, brand new bowstrings. So if you take these bowstrings that have never been dried, then I shall be weak as another man. So she goes and orders some. Brand new bowstrings. So while he's sleeping, something else we learn in here is that he sleeps pretty deeply. I don't know about you, but I don't think I could be tied up. Maybe I could. But she's laying there. He's laying there, goes to sleep. She ties him up with the bowstrings. Verse number eight. Then the lords of the Philistines brought up her seven green widths that have never been dried, and she bound him with them. Now there were men lying in wait, abiding With her in the chamber. Now, not only is he a heavy sleeper, but she was able to go, hey, guys, he's asleep. Hide in the closet and he's still sleeping. So he's a big, heavy sleeper. And she puts him on the closets, ties him up. He's still sleeping. What finally gets him awake is she said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. So he wakes up, breaks the whistle, says, where are they at? Where are they at? You can imagine the people in the closet are trying to be very, very quiet. And so, nope, nope, false alarm. Okay. Well, the next time. Verse number 10. 
And Delilah said unto him, Samson, unto Samson, Behold, thou hast mocked me and told me lies. Now tell me, I pray thee, wherein thou must be bound. Now, something else you might learn about Samson is I don't think he's all that smart. <laughs> you know, he's told her one night, Well, if you tie me up with these ropes, then I'll be weak. And all of a sudden, he's tied with those ropes. You'd almost want to think he would put something together. Or he could be toying with her. Who knows? But something. She starts nagging at him. Verse number 11. And he said unto her, If thou bind me with new ropes that were never occupied, then I will be weak and be as another man. And Delilah therefore took new ropes and bound him therewith. So she ties him up, puts guys in the closets again. And, of course, she wakes him up and said, The Philistines be upon thee. And they were liars away to biting in the chamber, and he brake them off his arms like a thread. And Delilah said to Samson, Here though thou hast mocked me and told me lies, tell me wherewith thou mayest be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest my, the seven locks of my head with a web. So what this means is that there was a way of tying up his hair, and they tied it to a post, kind of like a load-bearing post that's not going to move. And so she webbed it together. Again, that's a pretty heavy sleeper, especially how in the world, you know, did she make him fall asleep against the pole or something? And, and then she takes his head and nails it together and ties it to the post. And, and again, this is to show that Samson's strength is supernatural, not just in his muscles. What happens? She fastened it with a pin and said unto him, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he waketh out of his sleep and went away with the pin of the beam and the web. So he woke up. The Philistines be upon thee. He got up and his hair is so strong, it pulls the beam with him. So as he's walking, he's dragging the beam behind him. So it's just not his muscles. There's something about him supernaturally. Now, for those ladies who have long hair, could you imagine your hair being pulled like that? And it didn't even phase him. He jumped up and his hair pulled the thing with him. It wasn't like he got pulled back. This is something strange. Now, you'd almost think he would know what Delilah's up to. After these three times, now she starts in nagging mode. Verse number 15. And she said unto him, How can thou say I love thee? When thy heart is not with me, thou hast mocked me these three times and hast not told me wherein thy great strength lieth. And it came to pass, she pressed him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed to death. Basically, he says, I'll die if I hear her nag anymore. Just here, tell me. She just wore him down. And, you know, he could have done something like, stop asking me. Don't tell me anymore. Something, but... Women was, was his weakness, and it came to pass that she pressed on him daily with her words and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all his heart and said unto her, There has not come a razor upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall be weak and be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called for the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come this once. Now, again, she's had people waiting in the closets all these times. She must have been really convinced to say, all right, bring your money. I'm ready to get paid now. So they come, bring her money. And she, verse number 19, 
And she made him sleep on her knees. And she called a man and caused him to shave off the seven locks of his head. Now, once again, I'm thinking in my mind, what a heavy sleeper. She calls a guy. Hello, come over. Samson's asleep. They didn't have phones back then, but she called the guy. He comes in, in the house. Shh, shh, come on, Samson's in here. And he cuts, she cuts his hair in the middle of the night. Now, again, I don't know how deep of a sleeper you are, but probably most of you would wake up if your hair was being cut, unless there was something inhibiting you, right? I'm, so she cuts his hair and has his hair cut. But notice this tragic thing here. And she made him sleep on her knees and she called a man and caused him to be shaved off the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him and his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go at out as other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. You know, that's another tragic thing about sin is that sometimes you don't even realize that God has left you and you're all by yourself. You know, how many churches today that God is not there in the church services and they don't even know he's gone, that the spirit of the Lord is gone because of so much disobedience, so much sin, and it's not there. What a horrible thing that sin blocks that off that you can't even tell that God is with you. So he woke up ready to go. But something's different now. You can almost imagine the first person he punched. Nothing happened. The guys bind him. Maybe it was two weaker guards. And he's trying to pull and say, hey, why isn't it happening? So they capture him. We see Samson as he starts marching down to his downward spiral. The third thing I'd like to show you is Samson's sport backfired. Samson's sport backfired. We see that um, Samson's struggle with sin. Samson, uh, Samson's seven locks. And now Samson's sport backfired. Notice with me in verse 21. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes. And brought him down to Gaza. And bound him with fetters of brass. And he did grind in the prison house. So what they did is say, oh, so you're the strong man. So they plucked out his eyes so that way he can't see. They put him in chains and they put him in a grain house in the prison. And for months, however long he was in there, he was to walk around in a circle holding this big pole as it grind grain. So they would pour more grain into it and he would grind it. And that was his life for months was to go around in circles. The biblical hero, the strong man, Reduced down, blinded, afflicted, weakened, humiliated. By the way, why was this? Because of sin. Because of sin. The Bible talks about pride. I can get away with this and nothing will happen to me. You know, one of the sins in the Bible is called a presumptuous sin. You know what a presumptuous sin? It's a sin that we presume upon God's grace. That I can go ahead and do this sin and nothing will happen to me. What happens is that we do this sin so often and God doesn't do anything to us that we'll always assume that God, uh, I've done it so many times. Why is this time any different? That's a presumptuous sin and it's the most dangerous types of sin because you know it's wrong, but you choose to do it anyways, thinking that God would do nothing about it. 
God had given Samson a lot of grace for a lot of years. And finally, it was taken. Finally, there's a consequence. Finally, there's a payday someday. He presumed one time too many. And now, because of his sin. It wasn't because he was a biblical hero. It wasn't because he was a great general. It wasn't because he was a great leader. The reason why he's in the pits is because of his own sin. He's blinded. By the way, that's not what God intended for him. That's not what God's perfect plan for his life was. This is what he did for himself. You understand that God has a plan for each of our lives. It's up to us to choose to follow and obey it or not. And there's consequences for our sin. So Samson is grinding meal. Finally, they decide they're going to have a big party. But they did not know in verse 22, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon, their God. And rejoice, for they said, our God had delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. Now, let me tie in what's going on. At this time, the Ark of the Covenant, you remember that? Uh, the Ark of the Covenant has been taken by the Philistines and may be delivered. But the Philistines are planning another campaign against the Israelites. And Sam, Samuel, we're going to see in uh, 1 Samuel, we're going to finish this up next week. But Samuel is with the people and they know the Philistines are coming. They know that the army is preparing themselves and so the Philistines are having a big party. So why not celebrate the victory over the, the Israelites before it happens by taking their biggest hero and making sport of him? So again, what they're doing is they're having a big countrywide party. And they're getting ready to defeat the Israelites. So they said, let's take Samson and let's make sport of him. Let's make fun of him. Let's go ahead and let's take this this hero and let's show him who's boss by the way goliath is a young man at this time you guys remember goliath right and so goliath is a young man at this time he's probably around some of these other people that we'll see during saul's time and david's time are now around now notice it says in verse 24 and when the people saw him they praised their god for they said, our God had delivered into our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass when their hearts were merry that they said, call for Samson, that they may that he may make us sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and he made them sport and they set him between the pillars. So what they did is they put him in almost a big house that had these big pillars and they had uh, almost like a theater. With people and several different floors of seating. And they put him in the middle of this coliseum. They chained him up to the pillars. So that way they can laugh at him and make fun of him. Notice what occurs in verse number 26. And Samson said to the lad that led him by the hand. Suffer me that I may feel the pillars wherein the house standeth that I may lean upon him. Now the house was full of men and women. And all the lords of the Philistine were there. And there were upon the roof 
3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson made sport. So this is so full that literally you have that, that phrase of people hanging from the rafters. They have 3,000 people on the roof looking down at this. There's lots of people there making fun of Samson, preparing for their victory over Israel. Now, Samson, verse 28, called unto the Lord and said, O Lord God, remember me, I pray thee, and strengthen me, I pray thee, only this once, O God, that I may be avenged of the Philistines for my two eyes. Now, notice this prayer. Samson is talking to God, and God, by the way, is going to answer prayer. Aren't you glad that we have a God who answers prayer? Even though this prayer is selfish. Is he saying, I want to deliver my people? No. He says, I want to get them back for taking my eyes. Even him in a selfish prayer, God still answers prayers. Because God still has a plan and God still wants to get credit for it. Especially since God is the one that delivered the consequences to the Philistines. Not a dead God by the name of Dagon. Now, Samson made this prayer. Verse number 29. And Samson took a hold of the two middle middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on which it was borne up, <coughs> of the one with his right hand and the other with his left. And Samson said, Let me die with the Philistines. And he bowed himself with all of his might. And the house fell upon the lords and upon the people that were therewith, so that the dead which he slew at his death were more than they which he slew in his life. So Samson grabs the pillow pillars and he Pushes with all of his might. These are load-bearing pillars. Now remember, it's already uh, seated to capacity. People on the roof. And the whole thing caves in. Samson dies, but so does everyone else in the crowd. Can you imagine the disaster there? The the building collapses. Everyone uh, uh, is, is crushed to death. We already know that Samson has killed thousands of people. It said here that Samson killed more at his death than what than the total that he killed all of his life previous here. That he just destroyed so many. Now, once again, this is going to pay play into the story in First Samuel when Samuel and the rest of the Israelites are preparing for this army to come. They've already taken out a whole bunch of people all at once. It's going to make them harder to win the victory. And by the way, God is the one who's going to win the victory. And he's using Samson to get his will accomplished over in Samuel's ear. You know that Samuel's praying at this time? And he's praying that God would deliver them from the, from the, um, from the Philistines. Do you know that Samson pushing these aside was an answer to Samuel's? prayer you see they all tie into here but god is still able to use samson to be an answer to someone else's prayer at the very end then his brother and all of the house of his father came down and took him and brought him up and buried him between zorah and ishtol in the burying place of manoah in the um, his father and he judged israel 20 years So we have the tragic life of Samson. And as we look at this tragic life, once again, we see someone who was blessed of God. Someone that God wanted to be used. Someone who had lots of potential. But for 20 years, he squandered that potential for because of sin. We don't realize how much sin keeps us from following God. And we have to be careful because sin 
is so available and so apparent. Maybe you don't have a problem with the ladies. Maybe you just have a problem wasting time. Maybe you have a problem with something else. Maybe it's a problem with lying. Maybe it's a problem with gossiping. But you know what it is that you struggle with. That thing that keeps you from serving God. Say, I'd rather do this than go to church. I'd rather do this than go soul winning. I'd rather do this than read my Bible. What is it that keeps you from advancing forward? What is it that's keeping you in place? What I encourage you to do is to examine yourself. And realize that God wants to use you. By the way, if you have squandered time, don't look at the past. Remember the Christian life is a series of new beginnings. Start from where you are and advance forward. You can't do anything about yesterday. But you could just right now where you're at, go forward. Don't say tomorrow I'll start serving God. Next week when I get my schooling done, when my kids are grown up, when this happens... Tomorrow will never come. What would stop you from making yourself available to God now? What is the sin that doth so easily beset us that needs to be removed? What is it that's in our way of us advancing forward? Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 Five three zero six three zero eight. Once again, that number is nine two zero five three zero six three zero eight. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you.